I want you to look in your book, if you would, to the 24th chapter of the book of Acts, the 24th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, I can do what I want to this morning. I'm not going to keep you long and late. But I, I want to talk to you about this chapter a little bit and really just get down to the nitty-gritty so uh, we can get to where I need to go. The Apostle Paul, uh, there in verse number 10, he's uh, got himself in another mess like he always seemed to do. And so he's dealing with uh, Felix, and uh, he's got to talk to him, and he deals with him down through, oh, verse 22, 23, 24. And it says in verse 24, and after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful, Lord, as our brother testified about being saved at seven, and a lady testified about coming out of sin. I, don't, I didn't turn around. I don't know who or she was or what age. But I'm thankful, Lord, that there was a convenient season in the lives of those of us that are saved. And we called on you and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord, this morning that someone in this room would come to that convenient season. They'd realize this is it. I'm at the end of my rope. I've uh, done everything that I possibly can do up to this point to avoid being a Christian. I've heard people say it's a wonderful thing, but I have not experienced that. But I pray, Lord, there'd be some in this, this service this morning that would do that, be saved. And we ask it in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you about, just for a few minutes, what I think frightened Felix. I think uh, when the Apostle Paul reasoned with him of righteousness. You know, one of the problems is that we have in our own hearts and minds our own righteousness. Yes. Amen. And we think we're good enough as we are. It'll never be, my friend. I remember one time I was in a meeting and the service kind of got out of the banks a little bit. And the preacher, the pastor, he said, I'd like everybody to get down on your knees and just thank God for saving you. And so I got down on my knees. It was a lot easier back then than it is now. And I, you know, rather piously put my thumb and index finger on the bridge of my nose. And I said, oh, Lord, thank you for saving this preacher. Blam. I mean, the Lord 
tapped me on the shoulder, so to speak. He said, I didn't save a preacher. I saved a sinner. Sometimes we get to a place in our lives that we forget the rock from which we were hewn and the pit from which we were digged and what God has actually done for us. You see, God's standard of righteousness is much different than ours. You could say, well, the Ten Commandments, I'd agree with you. Some people think it's just the Ten Suggestions. You know, it'd be nice if you did this. That's not it. God's estimation of man's righteousness is found in Romans 3 and 10. There is none that doeth good. God's unchanging, uncompromising view of righteousness. He said in 1 John chapter 5 that all unrighteousness is sin. God deals with unrighteousness. Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In essence, you'll get what's coming to you. He spoke to him of the righteousness of God. He spoke to him of the righteousness of Christ. He talked to him of the righteousness of the Holy Spirit of God. In John chapter 16, that's part of the comforter's job is to deal with us in regard to righteousness. Sinner friend, you are so far from being right or righteous or acceptable in God's sight, somehow it would be good if you would recognize how bad off you really are. Then he dealt with him of temperance. Temperance. Felix, Felix shuddered. He was frightened about what was said. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, every man that striveth for the Mastery is temperate in all things. When you're temperate, you're moderate. You're not given to passion or overindulgence of appetite or... Have you ever overeaten? (laughs) Have you ever overslept? Have you overindulged in the things of this world? And underindulged in those things which are spiritual. You think about it, Christian. What does it take to stop you? I just finished reading a book this past week about a young man who made his second tour over to the Middle East uh, in all of these ridiculous wars. We've had 20 years we've been over there. God help us. This young man uh, had a, an, IE, an IED, had a confrontation with an IED, blew off both of his arms and both of his legs. It's a miracle that he lived. They got him to a place, then got him to Germany, and finally brought him back to Walter Reed. And you followed the path of that young man's life. 
he was able to have some those legs so that he could walk kind of I saw a man got on the airplane yesterday with me had one of those on he said they hurt too much and I, I was I was absolutely astounded in reading the book I didn't know this was even possible but someone a young man died maybe 16 17 years of age had a stroke and he had donated his body parts and he donated and this young man received both arms. He had one, one arm was way up here and another one was right there. And that, I didn't know that you could attach arms. They put the bones together. They put the, all the sinew together. They put all the veins together. They put all of that, all of that together. And that young man who had lost both arms and both legs now has someone else's arms. You know, we Christians, we stop at the slightest things. We're to be good soldiers. He was, this young man was a soldier. That, that didn't stop him. There were famous sportscasters in the state of Michigan as I was a boy growing up, one in football and the other in baseball. Those two men, very famous, if you're no Michiganders here, no sense calling their names, but they both broadcast, announced the name, the games for almost 40 years, never missing one game. We have a hard time making it to a revival for five days. God help us. In the light of the difficulties of our nation becoming a nation, I read in a book called The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall's son. He said in the 1620 Virginia colony, they ate all of the domesticated animals including dogs, cats, horses, and their hides. When they had eaten all that that winter, they ate the, all the rats, the mice, the snakes, the nuts, the bark, the roots, the leather shoes. They boiled the leather shoes and the leather, leather book covers off of the books. One man, even after his wife has, had died, boiled and ate his wife. Don't get any ideas, fellas. <laughs> we stop at the littlest, stupidest things. <laughs> Ten years later, when the Puritans came, that awful winter that they suffered through, they rationed the food. They were only given each individual five kernels of corn a day. We modern Christians, we won't even fast one meal for revival. Paul reasoned with him of temperance and Felix trembled. Here's an intemperate Roman governor who luxurated in the opulence of the Roman orgy. He is trembling. God help us to get serious, to get interested, to get committed, to get sold out. 
And then he spoke of him of judgment. Judgment is coming to all. There's a great day coming, a great day coming. The Bible said in Hebrews 9 and 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then cometh the judgment. God has appointed a day of year. Listen, you are going to face God. Who knows the secrets of men's hearts and the imaginations of our thoughts. And you will get your wages. For the wages of sin is death. Every idle word, every slander, every gossip, every secret plot or scheme, every intent of the heart, every blasphemy, every cursing, every complaining, every whining, every backbiting. Do you imagine that every one of us are going to give an account to God? Not of our brothers, not of our friends, not of, of ourselves. ourselves how will you stack up that day heaven and earth will have melted away the dead small and great will stand before him and the books will be open in front of a judge you will stand in front of a judge whose only bias is holiness holy Felix trembled in the presence of the Apostle Paul. This man, Paul, was a full-grown, God-anointed, spirit-filled child of God. One vacation Bible school flannel graph teacher, he wasn't a discusser in a seminar or someone bussing the kiddies and Never wore a clown suit, no Christian magician, no TV evangelist, no faculty member at some apostate Bible college. He stood in front of this wicked governor, the Apostle Paul. This licentious human being faced a full-grown, God-filled, God-called preacher with more scars on his body for the cause of Christ than all of us in this room put together. You talk about a battle royal. You talk about the conflict of the ages for the soul of one man. Felix trembled. And I can see him in my mind's eye. Oh. Oh, I, don't, I, I better do something about this. Yeah. And then he felt a hand. Yes, sir. And he looked down. She had diamonds and rubies on that pretty little hand. And she said, honey, if you get saved, if you listen to that preacher, we'll lose our position. The thoughts of financial gain will be gone. Our social prestige. Your your important position. 
And he thought, some more convenient season. I will call for thee. What are you going to do, sinner? What, what is there in this world that's more valuable than like the kids just saying, it'll be all right. It'll be all right if you're saved. It'll be all wrong if you're lost. At the judgment day. What's going to take you away? What's going to stop you as a Christian of being faithful? Why don't, why don't you fear God like we ought to fear God in this day and time in which we live? I was preaching somewhere. And a lady came up to me after a service. She said, oh, Brother Green, I was listening uh, to a tape, a, a cassette tape or a, DV, or a CD of, of you preaching. And she said, I, I, I got to crying. I felt so bad. I had to turn it off and go watch a movie. <laughs> Friend, you're not going to be able to turn it off and watch a movie. The dark halls of the damned will be your eternal portion. You're a young lady here today. You're not saved. Had a young lady get saved last Sunday morning in Corpus Christi, Texas with terrible things in her life. Pastor's wife dealt with her till 12.30, quarter to one in the afternoon. She finally got saved. Your young lady is sitting here and you're lost this morning. It's going through your mind. You know, if I get saved, I don't know if that boy I've been texting or sexting. I don't know if that boy that I really, I don't know if he'll have me. I don't know if he'll want me anymore. Young lady, there's not a boy in this world going to hell for. Not a one. You're a teenage boy. And you're lost. I'm all my buddies. What would my buddies think of me if I, if I became a Christian? I mean, I'd lose all my friends. There's not a friend in the world worth going to hell for. You're a lady. I'd lose my position in the community. You know, I got a club and I've got the friends and I've got this social circle. It's not worth going to hell for. A grown man. Let's say you're a grown man and you, you drive a beer truck. Well, if I, if I got saved, I'd have to get a different job. You know, I've been, I've been doing it for 38 years. I mean, I lose my pension. There's not a pension in the world worth going to hell for. Felix was frightened. The blood of Jesus Christ can save any sinner. That's right. 
cleanse any sinner. The blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful cleansing agent on this world. He can cleanse us, the Bible says, from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Thank God for that. I don't know how deep into the depths of sin you have transgressed. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from it. Make you clean. It can release you from Satan's domain, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, Revelation 12 and 11. Give you strength to enjoy God's best. I love Psalms 103 and so do most Christians. It talks about he forgives all our iniquity and redeems our life from destruction. Relief from sin's stranglehold. I've seen what the blood of Jesus Christ can do in a life. I like that old song. I get, you know, I'd never heard that pollenized or pollinated before, but I think that's been the problem with my voice my entire life. (laughs) But if I could sing, I'd like to sing my sin. Oh, the bliss. Of that glorious thought. My sin. Not in part. But the whole. Is nailed to its cross. Hallelujah. My soul. And I bear it. No more. My sin. Not in part. But the whole. And all that a saved sinner can say is, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, the blood of Jesus Christ has made us nigh. That's what brings us into the presence of God. It's the most powerful agent in all the universe. The Bible and the blood, you think about, you think about the Bible and the blood, two little five-letter words, how impactful they have been in your own life if you're saved, and how powerful they can be in your life this morning if you're lost. Amen. Without the blood, judgment reigns, thunders. Without the blood of Jesus Christ being shed, death, death reigns from Adam. To the end of the world. Without the blood, sin is the supreme sovereign and it reigns in the hearts of sinners. But thank God this morning that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on Calvary for your sins and mine. My soul. Why in the world does that thing have to... You guys look at that for a while. There's four vital questions you need to ask yourself if you're here tonight, this, this morning in your laws. Where'd you come from? What are you here for? Where are you going? And 
how are you going to get to where you're eventually going? Where'd you come from? If you're, you believe in evolution, this morning you're a fool. If you believe that we were amoeba in a mud puddle and somehow got out of there, you are absolutely mentally deranged. And you can tell that to your ninth grade biology teacher in the public school. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. If I had the time to talk to you this morning, I've had terrible eye problems since I was here in December. And they have worked on my eyes and they're much better now than they were. But the amazing things about our eyes that I have learned, it just, I am astounded. I, I go to the eye doctor, it's astonishing. I've been able to talk to this guy and he's uh, from Iran or Iraq. I don't know, somewhere over there, one of those IRs. <laughs> we are fearfully and wonderful, just our eyes. They put a little machine in there. It could see behind my retina. It hurt, but... <laughs> in the beginning, God. God. What you here for? Fun? Recreation? Make some money? Party? Have a career? Or bring honor and glory to God. Yeah. Philippians 2 th and 3 says we are made for his pleasure. That's right. Where are you going? I'll be just as plain and simple as any preacher who's ever stood in this pulpit. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. If you die lost, you'll go to hell. That's, right. that's it. There's, that's the only kind of people in this room. Save people and lost people. People headed to heaven, people headed to hell. Now, how do you get to heaven? You see, salvation is not just a one-time thing. If you got saved today, that is the beginning of a wonderful life to live for Jesus Christ, culminating in a home in heaven one day forever. Yes, there's a birth, you'd be born again, but, you know, I, I talk to people, I got to, I, I listen to a preacher preach, I don't know, back in the wintertime somewhere, we attended a church in our area that I don't normally go to, and, we, and he preached the best sermon on witnessing to your neighbors I've ever heard in my entire life. It's fabulous. So, I don't know, Tuesday rolled around, we have a girl that lives across the street, she's a public school teacher, teaches kindergarten. She has two boyfriends that, that one lived with her a long time and now she has two that come over every once in a while. And so one of the boys was there and I saw him. These are men in their 40s just living like licentious animals. And I went over and I accosted him in the driveway and we talked a little bit. I love the kid. And uh, talked to him about, oh, yes, he said, I was in prison. And a lady came by, and I asked Jesus to save me, and I'm saved. Drinks, cusses, yeah. 
lives in an adulterous situation with that neighbor lady. That's not what a Christian does. You know, a lot of people make a little spurious profession of faith and they think that's going to get you to heaven. That's not going to get you to heaven. You must be born again. You must have that spiritual birth that gives you that spiritual life. So what happened to that seven-year-old boy? He doesn't even know how long ago. He doesn't even know how old he is. If you told me how old you are, I think I, got a, I can write it down and put the two numbers and I can tell you how long ago it was. So, listen, sinner, it's, it's not some magic potion. It's the mighty power of God that moves into an individual's life. Salvation is a life-altering experience with an eternity changing destination. John said it this way, these things have I written unto you in 1 John 5 and 13 that, that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. That's the important thing. I've been preaching a long time. And I guess really my main motivation for 50 years has been to keep people out of hell. And help Christians to live the way we ought to live. If you're not saved this morning, you ought to get saved. That's simple. If you've never been born again, you need to get born again. Felix trembled. his condition last Sunday night I don't think I have I've only seen this one other time in my life Corpus Christi Texas Heritage Baptist Church I was standing at my book table before the service and a lady came in with another lady and the lady said I have come tonight to get saved she'd only been to that church this was the second time she'd ever been she said I have come to get saved they took her in a side room before the service. About half, they brought her out about halfway through and she got born again. I don't know what constituted her conviction that she needed to be saved. She'd heard some preaching, I guess. Maybe somebody had been witnessing to her, I'm sure. Knew where the church was. Listen, friend, there's no time to fool around with your salvation. There's no time to, you know, dilly-dally about your eternal destination. Saved people go to heaven and lost people go to hell. 